Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hi, I'm Matt Niskanen. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, it's Derek Graham. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're, you're listening, listening to, to Snow the Goalie. 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 You know, we call it the Press Row Show. Really, it's Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, the Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, the PDLI Podcast, the Pampers Podcast, the Pronger Cast, Canoeble Cast, Patrick Sharp Cast, the Hitchcock Cast, the Hitch, the Hitch Cast, the Prop Cast, the Poolin Cast, the only Flyers Podcast. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad. That's Anthony Sanfilippo. You find on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. This is kind of like our mashup, right? It's our post-game show, so it's technically live. We'll do it live, so it's technically, technically our post-game show, but we're going to use it as our first Snow the Goalie of the Week as well. So we'll be taking questions, comments, and concerns live via Twitter and Facebook. So if you're watching us live, don't forget to go subscribe to Snow the Goalie over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever else you get your podcasts, leave a five-star review and make Anthony Sanfilippo smile. And if you are listening in the podcast feed and you didn't know that we do the Press Row Show, you, of course, can find us over on Twitter at AntSanPhilly, at JoyOnBroad, at SnowTheGoalie, Instagram at AntSanPhilly, at JoyOnBroad, at SnowTheGoalie, and over on Facebook.com slash SnowTheGoalie. All right. That was a lot. It's a good mouthful. You know what is a good result, Anthony? Anytime, mm-hmm. anytime you get the win. And I'm going to give you credit here. All right. This evening, before the game started, there were some things being bantered back and forth in our Slack channel because some people wanted to to throw down some capital on the Flyers in this game. And we were asked, you know, what are some thoughts that you have on the game? And you said that you wanted to pick the Flyers in a shutout. You weren't sure like you, 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 you didn't do it yourself, but you wanted to pick it. And by the way, if, if I remember correctly, at the start of this game, Flyers to win via shutout was plus 860 on DraftKings. So anybody who went with their gut and followed your lead, they they made some money tonight. How are you feeling after this one? Well, it's a victory. They're up two games to one in the series. Um. Top notch analysis on that one. No, here's here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. Everyone is going to talk about tomorrow. They're going to talk about Carter Hart because he had a shutout, youngest goalie in Flyers history to record a playoff shutout. They're going to talk about the power play being terrible. Mm-hmm. And they're going to say the Flyers are lucky to be up 2-1. Mm-hmm. But what no one is really going to, I don't think, is going to talk about I will. I'll write it for my write-up tomorrow. There you Just go. a little preview. There you go. This was about as well-played a defensive game as this team could have put out there. Yeah, there were a couple turnovers, right? There were a couple of mistakes. But defensively, I thought, this, I thought the Flyers were really strong. There were some players who I thought had – we'll talk about a player who had an underrated game. And it's interesting because someone tweeted out at one point. I, I got to find this tweet. I have I gotta, an idea. I have an idea. I have, to, I have to find this tweet because I want to include it in my story tomorrow. It said, has Nate Thompson played 32 minutes tonight? And the when you say when you put that tweet out, obviously they're being a little facetious saying that. But that means you've noticed him on the ice, right? Yeah. 
That means which usually you, usually isn't the best thing, but in this case, he was really good. He was that fourth, the fourth line, all, all told. Him, Raffle, Pitlick, they played a hell of a game. And now you see why Raffle's in and not Faraby. Mm-hmm. You see what that means. You see what that line is like, right? Well, also they, you see the difference of those guys playing with a guy who overall is, I would say, a more well-balanced player who also has uh, more pep in his step than James Van Riemsdyk who played with, with those two in the first two games. Fair? Yes, totally fair. And it's almost like the idea of, we talked about this during one of the intermissions, but, you know, taking Robert Haig, for example, and putting him with Justin Braun, all of a sudden you stop talking less about the gaffes that Justin Braun played with because maybe you're able to kind of trust in your partner a little bit more than when you're a little bit fearful that, maybe you're going to get left hung out to dry. And perhaps that's something that you kind of saw play itself out in this one where Michael Roffel, I, I, I would say that he's one of the most versatile guys in terms of where he can play in this lineup. He's a, almost a chameleon of sorts who can, you know, mend his game and, and, and kind of blend in with, with any line on this team. And, you know, maybe he's exactly what Thompson and Picklick needed. He's a guy who's got some skill. He's a guy who can push play. And at the same time, he's a guy who, who also plays a solid defensive game as well. He plays a responsible game. And what you now see maybe is knowing that you've got two guys, if you are Nate Thompson, that flanking you are willing to give up the body and also get back defensively. Maybe that kind of allows you to focus on things like I don't know, winning face-offs in your own zone when when you need them in crunch time. Are you looking for that tweet still? Is that what that? No, 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 no. Okay. okay. Um No, I know what you said, what you said is is 100% correct. Um I just we got a conversation going on on the on the phone about the about the game as well with uh with somebody from the organization. So oh. uh, <laughs> that's, that's why I'm, a, that's why I'm slightly distracted. There. Who's texting you? Uh, no. You can't go say no. anything. Huh? Yeah. 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 It is what it is. Yeah. Um, uh, no. Yeah. No, it, the fourth line to me, it was, was very, it was very important that they had a good game. Mm-hmm. They needed them because the second line was just meh. Um, although I, like we predicted, Scott Lawton did have a much better third period defensively. Yep. I mean, it was really solid after after a couple bad turnovers in the second. Um, and that third line just is not – it's just not – it's not there right now for me. Although, Nick Kubel blocked two shots. He did. One off the Important. top of his foot. Important. I'll give you another thing that was very noticeable. In the fi- at the end there, two very important face-off wins mm-hmm. in their own zone. One by Thompson, one by – Claude Giroux, um, very Who? important. Who? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who? People, people don't know he's on the team. Um, no, it's very, very important wins. I mean, to get those, to get those when the Canadians have a six-one-five, right? I mean, those are big. Those are li- so a lot of small details in this game. Things that you don't, again, that don't show up on the score sheet. The Flyers are now two wins away from the next round. They've only scored three goals in this series, and yet they lead in the series, and they're. And they're two wins away. So sometimes it doesn't matter who's on the score sheet. Just win the game however you have to win it. And they found a way to win it tonight. 
and credit to them for a good defensive effort and credit to Carter Hart. Didn't have to make a lot of saves, but when he did, he made some big ones. And he looked good doing it. And he looked confident. And, you know, it's funny because at the end of the game, you heard um, John Forslund and, and Brian Boucher and that pompous, useless sack of whatever, uh, Mike Milbury, talking about the youth of the Montreal Canadiens. And it's like, well, I hate to point this out to you guys because, you know, you're you're trying to make an excuse for why these guys aren't finding success at the end of the game. There's a 22-year-old, freshly 22, by the way, birthday, what, yesterday, two days ago, a 22-year-old uh, netminder in Carter Hart who, once again, looks solid, under pressure, looks poised. And by the way, I think I mentioned this in the second intermission uh, show that we did, that you know, if you're the Flyers, the, the best thing that you could do to kind of repay Carter Hart for that lackluster effort in game two and for, you know, him getting pulled and some people not understanding why you pull a goalie, uh, you, you getting him back by playing solid defensive hockey in front of him and preserving that shutout is huge. It's huge as a team, but it's huge for his confidence as well. And, you know, again, hats off to him because, you know, I know sometimes you, you downplay because you look at the system that they play in front of him, but you know, I think fans have, have spent decades waiting for a, a goalie that can play a decent, <laughs> a decent game and, and look under control and it not be a, uh, you know, an, an adventure every time a puck comes in on net. So, you know, kudos to him at just 22 years of age. All right. We have a lot, lot of questions. Yeah, that's what we're going. So over on Facebook, Joe Cush says, wow, 79. Uh, BJ Beretta says, before you poo-poo the Flyers power play, this is the best it has ever statistically performed in August. This is true. <laughs> BJ, with, true. that's the stat of the game. Yeah. 100%. Albert Henderson says, Carter F and Hart. Chris G says, a win is a win. Take it and move on and get better each game. Trevor that's Henderson. That's the one Go thing and I just want to stop on that real quick. Okay. That, that's the one thing about playoffs. Okay. Yeah. Every, every game in and of itself is, is its own entity. Yes. They, yes, you got to win four out of seven to win a series in advance, but invariably in hockey, one game to the next can, can be wildly different. Mm-hmm. Um, they could be exactly the same. There's there's a lot of nuance that's tied to to playoff hockey from one game to the next, sometimes from one period to the next. The point is is that just because this happened tonight doesn't mean Game Four is going to be this more of the same. It could be a completely different game. Um, it's, I think tonight was a completely different game than Game Two, which was a completely different game than Game One. Mm-hmm. So even though they're not putting a lot of pucks in the net the fact is, is that each game will be different. And so you take this win and you move on to the next one. Well, the interesting thing too, is that there, the, the variance that exists from game to game or even like every other game or every third game or whatever is typically that you're going from one home arena to another. And those dynamics change. And the interesting thing here is that of course they're playing in the same, the same arena every night. And by the way, like I know that there were, there was talk about, the way that they were going to try to ensure home ice for the better team or for the team that was listed as the home team. But like the fact that the flyers were the away team, but their uh, goal horn goes off and their goal scoring song goes off. doesn't really feel like home ice for Montreal, vice versa. Anyway, Trevor Harris says, uh, 
So shall we change the power play to one three one since the umbrella ain't working? I think the power play needs a complete overhaul. Uh, what it's going to be, I don't know, but obviously it, it's not working. There was about a minute, minute and a half of decent power play time tonight. That's it. The rest of it, six power plays, was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It was really bad. It's what over eleven over the last two games now. No bueno. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Justin Kent says, uh, when are you going to become the Bartulis cast? Or is that Bartuli? Is that Bartuli's cast? Like Oscar Bartulis? I originally said Bartulis, but you didn't react. So then I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Do you know Oscar Bartulis? Do you want to get him on the show? <laughs> like Oscar Bartulis? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Trevor, since uh, says since we've entered the bubble, I think he was going back. Oh, that it was the power play isn't working since the bubble. Brian Daly says still need to generate some more sustained pressure on Price. Otherwise, I thought it was a much better performance from Friday. Yeah, I mean they still they do need to get more chances, but they, they really in the third period I think where the Flyers were struggling, they were really struggling to break out again, and and that was that was where I was starting to think, uh oh, maybe this is going to go in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, but then they kind of they kind of righted that ship a little bit and and you know locked it down in their own end. But at the very beginning of the period, I was like, yeah, man, these guys can't get out of their own end. They're being hemmed in. They you know just dumping it out to neutral ice and changing. But then when it became obvious that this is what the lead they were going to protect and just go with it, um, they really they really locked it down at that point. I'm just realizing now that because we're doing this post game, that means that after a win. We're going to get some really awesome lower chirons that you're going to get to be uh, angry old man yelling at clouds about. So I'm just looking up right now. AV's at the podium. We could be there asking him questions on the Zoom call. But instead, we are once again prioritizing breaking the game down to the people of the Delaware Valley here on Facebook and on Twitter. All right. uh, Let's see. Steve Appleman says, you think the Flyers can play the entire series this way? seems like a recipe for disaster. If you're playing solid defensive hockey... And you're getting the results. Yeah, you can play like this. I do think that, you know, assuming that you advance, assuming things go the way that they should, this isn't how you're going to play the next opponent. But if this is how you survive in advance, sometimes it's not going to be the most aesthetically pleasing hockey. It's not going to be the most exciting brand. It might not even be what people would consider the modern game. I mean, there have been how many comparisons now to 90s playoff hockey. But if you get the result, that's more important in in my mind, right? Like people kind of crapped on the Islanders going into this uh, postseason for not, you know, being the most enjoyable to watch. And they're up three, three uh, Oh, in their series. I don't know. Do you think their fans are really that upset that it might not be the most beautiful hockey? Do you think the devil's fans back, Doesn't back matter. in the day cared that their team played horrible, ugly hockey that nobody liked and probably you, set the game back 30 years? No, you win, you win, you win. And you win. then you move on. Yep. It's the old adage, survive in advance, right? Yep. Survive in advance. BJ Beretta says, we won the game after an embarrassing loss, had a shutout, and are up in the series. Why do I not feel as great as I should be about this game? You, 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 I, it's because you expect more. And this is what, this is kind of what I was saying to you, Russ, at the beginning of this, before this all started, when we were on Snow the Goalie, and I was saying, don't have an expectation of great success. Enjoy the ride. Just go along with it. Have fun. Enjoy this team, and see where it see where it comes to its end. And I think we'll, we 
many people may have done is they may have gotten themselves too far ahead of themselves. You know what I mean? Well, I think a big part of that, and I think this is fair within reason. The reason I think people are quasi disappointed at this point is because for better or worse, this team ran roughshod on the three best teams from the regular season. And they did it in convincing fashion. They picked apart the Bruins. They effectively kind of blew out the lightning. They continued their relative dominance over the Capitals. And whether you want to say that those teams did or didn't take it as seriously as the Flyers did in the round robin is whatever. I think you just look at it from the macro perspective of, wow, you smoked those three teams. And now you're going in against the team that was technically the 12th seed in the conference and you're making it way more complicated than it should be. That's why I think people are so upset because yes, they got a little bit too high on what this team was because they might not have been able to put the games into perspective or the, the importance or the impressive nature or the not as impressive nature of those wins relative to what was going on in the qualifying rounds. And that was like the sliding scale of expectations. And so I think people were just like a, a little bit hyped up because they saw the teams that they beat. And now they see this Canadians team and think, well, this should be like easy four one wins uh, and aesthetically pleasing hockey. And it hasn't been, but you're up two one in the series. And I think we all along thought Montreal would get, you thought they'd get one. I said, they'd get two series isn't over yet, but you know, this is kind of what I think you'd expect this to be. Um, Dave Johnson says last three power plays, no shots weak. It was bad. It's, it's, it's the one area that you sit there and say, yeah, this is not good. And they got to fix it. Uh, bags. 2020 says defense was solid. It was sensational. Eddie Harbazinski says, I'll ask this one again, since it got missed in the second, I know the power play hasn't been this way all season, but with as bad as the power play has been at crucial times paired with the number of free agent coaches that will be available this off season. Do, you, do either of you guys feel like we could possibly see Michelle Terrien replaced with someone else in the offseason? No. No, I think that they are very co- uh, happy with this coaching staff set up as it is. I don't think that there's going to be a change, at least not right away, no. Unless he's pursuing a, a vacancy. Another head, unless he, yeah, yeah. Right. If he's going to pursue a head coaching job, that's a different story. But but as long as he's not and he wants to stay part of this tandem that they have, then no, that won't change. BJ Beretta says, uh, if they were playing schoolyard three-bar rules, post-post-crossbar, the Canadians would have won. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Marshall says, Farabee feels like a better fit than JVR right now. More effort. Just not on that line. Farabee's not a fourth-line guy. Yeah. And, and that's really what that line's become. I know everybody's saying it's the third line. But the Thompson, the Thompson line is getting more important ice time than that third line is. Um, and Farabee's just not that's not his game. Farabee's a top six forward. Um, and I, I think you might see him again at some point, uh, maybe against a more, uh, a team that's uh, a little bit more of an open, open, uh, open ice kind of game than Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, but for right now, JVR fits what you need out of that line more than, than Farabee does. Uh, Rob Jenched or Jench says, uh, to BJ that he's glossing over the worst the power play had performed in August, though, uh, glass half full and half empty. Remember, BJ said that it was the best yes. performed. Yeah. Hunter Mikas on Facebook says, even though the power play was not good at all tonight, 
I did like that they changed it from a proby slap shot to connect knee going in and firing closer in. It did feel like there there were more bodies in Carey Price's face, and they they made him a little bit more uncomfortable. Certainly more uncomfortable than they did in Game Two, where they pretty much just said, "Hey, dude, have a uh, have a nice, beautiful, wide open space in front of you. We're gonna let you see every shot." Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're looking for a positive, I guess that's what it is. But they got They just got to revamp the whole thing. Uh, Rob also points out thought um, holding a team that was second in the NHL in shots to 22 or 23 was impressive, though. They throw the pick at the net as much as they can. And we're not able to get that to happen at all tonight. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Dank, Montreal, to be honest, Montreal has just as many questions right now. I mean, they got to figure out what the heck they have to do to really generate any offense. Um, you know, aside from game two, which I, like I said, I think was a real outlier. They, the, Montreal has not looked good offensively in game one, game three. They, they have to figure something out if they want to try and stay in the series. Kevin Danko says the power play is absolutely terrible. Terrible. Oh, Charles Barkley. Uh, Chris Murray asks the the same idea. Did we overestimate the the play of the team in the round robin? Because there's there's not that feeling of excitement now. Hunter Miko says. Well, wait, uh, but, but, let me just say something. To well, him. we already we already riffed on this. No, no, no I, I'm going to say one more thing to Chris. Um, this is the playoffs. Hey, games are close, man. The games are going to be close. Playoffs are always like this. That's why you always hear guys say, "Just get into the tournament, and then you see what happens." Mm-hmm. everybody's got a chance. We've seen eight seeds win the Stanley cup. It happens in hockey. It's not easy. It's why it's called the toughest trophy in, in sports to win. Uh, it's, it's a grind. It's hard. It's never easy. So don't feel less excited about the team. Just know that this is what your games are going to look like for the most part, uh, for however long the flyers are playing in the play, in the postseason. Spinning my wheels through life says flyers are playing with fire. Kind of. Uh, BJ Beretta said they need to stop with the blind passes, trying to force things into blocked lanes and being too cute with crap ice, just chip it deep, chase down, toss it on net and bang home the garbage. Eric over on Twitter says defense much better tonight with no ghost playing. Why so serious on Twitter says Milbury is trash, not just for Philly, but for all of NHL. I think everybody yeah. agrees. Bags 2020 says Milbury is rooting for the Canadians. Spinning my wheels through life says, will the Flyers sign Elliot Shore Parks to fix the power play? <laughs> uh, he, he could fix anything, right? Uh, let's see. Spinning my wheels through life says the Flyer shot blocking was beautiful. It uh, really was. And I want to say something about that, too. Yeah. How many times, Russ, over the years have we heard, you know, the numbers people tell us block shots are not important? Yeah, it's pretty... Right? Oh, block I shots. Feel, yeah. That means it means you don't have the puck if you're blocking shots. Yeah. Yeah? Tell that tonight. I'm just looking at Robert Hague and Jake Voracek sitting up on the uh, the podium right now. And uh, these guys. You know, yeah. I, I I think you just look at these two and you're, you're like, all right, I get it. I think so far the body language has been something to the effect of, I can't believe we let this Canadians team hang around in these games and feel good about themselves. And now it's time to, uh, to put them out of their misery. Good. I like this. Um, uh, what is this? Okay. Uh, why not put Sanheim on the power play instead of Provy and just put JVR on the doorstep? The thing with everybody hates Provorov on the power play. It's not Provorov. That's the problem. 
Keep in mind, in the regular season, he led the NHL in goals, power play goals scored by a defenseman. So it's it's not him. Uh, it, it's more the it's more the system that they're running. Okay, mm-hmm. they they run a system where they pass the puck around the outside of the umbrella and try and find an open shot with mm-hmm. screeners in front and who can get rebounds. That's the entirety of the power play. So a lot of times it's Provorov taking the shot. Sometimes it's Giroux. Sometimes it's Konechny. And then we have Vorchek and Couturier who are supposed to who's supposed to get the you know set the screens and get the rebounds. I I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like the setup of the second man high there. I think Couturier is kind of in the middle of in no man's land. I don't think he really does much other than occasionally set a, a high screen. Uh, to me, I think you should try something else a little bit different. Try and keep try and make the box. The, the PK box move, create lanes for yourselves. By putting two guys in the middle, you're allowing them to collapse down. It makes it too hard. I, I never liked that whole setup, to be honest. I think that they need a, a fourth person elsewhere. Okay. Did you freeze? No, you didn't freeze. Okay, I thought you froze. Yeah. Uh, okay, Reverend Manny of the hashtag Church of Hague says hashtag Church of Hague is in full effect. When when's the next service? Is that uh is that Tuesday? We're not. Tuesday? I don't think I don't think we're allowed to have a service. We're not allowed to. COVID. Oh, got it. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Jack K on Twitter says, "Love the win, but still didn't love their game. Defense and heart was solid. Power play sucked." That's, that's a pretty 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 common. That's pretty concise. Yeah. yeah. Danny Small, I believe this is our our pal from up at ESNY. Uh, says, are people in Philly sweating a potential Eastern Conference semifinal against the Islanders yet? Um, that's assuming that Columbus doesn't come back and beat Tampa, right? Yeah. Because if Columbus wins, Columbus wins that series, it would be the Islanders would play the Bruins Carolina winner, and Columbus would play the Flyers. Yep. Just saying. Just saying. Um, uh, it also assumes that the Caps don't come back against. I, the- I will say this. Um, it takes first of all the Islanders are are a well coached team, mm-hmm. very good defensive team, and did give the Flyers fits during the regular season. But it takes a special human to sit there and trash talk people from the Islanders' perspective. Where the hell have they been for the last three decades? Well, <laughs> all right, holy smokes, they haven't won anything in since I was ten. That was like somebody went after uh, somebody went after me on the uh, the when I tweeted the video of Vino saying the thing about Kirk Muller and the the power play. Somebody was like, "Well, the only way that Philly would win anything is if they had a deadly weapon allowed." And I was yeah. like, "And and the guy was a Maple Leafs fan." Mm-hmm. And it's like Teddy Roosevelt. Like you realize that the right. Leafs haven't won six sixty seven, right? Like it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been I mean, a really long time. You haven't made the Stanley Cup since. Then. Like really? Yeah, really. I mean, like if you're like if you're a yeah. Caps fan and you want to and you want to be chirpy, I get it. You just won a couple years ago. That's fine. Sure. Penguins fans can be chirpy, even though we hate them. They have three cups. I get it. Uh, Islanders, come on, Danny, come on. No puffy chest. Just, no, I think no he's just asking because this is going to be like a fun little Philly, New York thing, a little oh. crossing broad and ESNY thing. Yeah, that's that's, that's great. Yeah, that's spinning my wheels through life says uh, the home team aspect is just for the last change. He's saying that to me. But yeah. but what the league had said was that they were going to try to create a feeling of home ice. That's what I'm saying about the sounds of the the arena and the game. Yeah. David Mako says the Flyers counter the Canadian suffocating style of play. I'll take a boring win. Yep, I agree, David. 
Um, Jerry Temple says Sharat and Kotkaniemi. I spent so much time just like marveling at the guy's name and also feeling bad for him. Like when he was a little kid and he had to fill in the bubbles on the standardized test, do you think he felt really good about it? Do you think he felt bad? Can you imagine like marrying the guy and like that being your last name? Like imagine if your last name was Miller. I'm going to switch to that. That's that, I mean, is, a unique name. You have this whole thing. Like you're first, now, first you're killing uh, French Canadians. Now you're ripping Finns. I'm not ripping I mean, fans. I'm just saying that's a heck of a last name. I think it's cool. His first name is Yesperi. Yesperi is a great name. <laughs> if I have if I have another boy, I'll consider naming him Yesperi. There you go. I won't do it, but I'll I'll put it on the list. Okay. That's the part where you're supposed I, I, to say, I want to have I wanna, another kid. Why? I want to hear, hear what Nancy says about that. She wants to have more kids. We're up to three. She won't stop. Uh, all right. Uh, all, he says uh, that they need. Uh, they need their clocks cleaned, finishing checks and hits high a lot. Uh, you miss Simmer in this kind of uh, situation. Yeah. Miss I'll, I'll tell you what, though, Jerry, tonight, the way the fly- Flyers out hit Montreal two to one. Yep. Really? I mean, I, I, I have no problem. The Flyers play like they did tonight. I don't worry about things that Sherratt and Cook and Yemi are doing. I'm going to need to get like a little bit of theme music here for when Reverend Manny comes on here from the Church of Hague, but he uh he asks supplemental discipline for the domi on uh the domi spear. There should be. There it's should be. It wasn't called. It was just called what a slash, right? On the ice, they called it a slash. But he purposely speared ja- jabbed him in the genitals. Absolutely jabbed in the genitals. Say that three times fast. Yes. Go. Go. Jabbed in the genitals. Jabbed in the genitals. Jabbed in the genitals. I'm totally clipping that sound. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be great. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay. The jabs in the genitals. Genitals? Jab, jabbed in the genitals podcast. All right, great. Yeah. Uh, all right. The, uh, the ha- Reef G over on Twitter says, the Habs have studied our power play patterns and adjusted. It's time for our coaching to do the same. It's a fair point. I agree. It was like the only thing that I think Mike Milbury said that was intelligent and, and on point was that they had to rework what they're doing. Why so serious over on Twitter says, the number one thing that has to change to fix the power play is... The whole thing has to change. I think the whole, the whole, whole setup has to change. The whole thing. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's see. Trevor Harris says uh, Mike Silski compared this to '90s Buffalo Sabers team tonight. I don't know. I don't know if he was comparing the Flyers to the Sabers or the Canadians to the Sabers or just comparing the series like they used to play against Buffalo back then. It does. If it's the series, then yes, it's very reminiscent to you know the days when Hashik was in goal for Buffalo and you couldn't score and. Every game was two to one, one to nothing. It was it was brutal back then. I mean, um, but that was some great playoff hockey too. So I mean, like I I don't mind this. I think that this is, I think what we're getting is a is a good brand when you get games played like they were played tonight. Joe Stringer on Facebook asks, "What's in the AV Dirty Martini?" It just so happens that I have that pulled up right now. The team sent the uh, Flyers branded drink shaker. And uh, a little card with a with a nice uh, cartoon of Elaine Vigneault drinking his martini. Here's what's in the dirty martini. So prep yourselves. Get all of your ingredients together. <clears throat> the coach Elaine Vigneault dirty martini is vodka only with a little splash of vermouth, chilled glass, and shaken, never stirred. It includes four ounces of vodka, splash or spray of dry vermouth, two olives with a half ounce of olive brine juice to give it the dirty flavor. Pour, enjoy, preferably after a big win. Cheers, Elaine Vigneault. 
that's that's next level stuff. By the way, I'm thinking about doing a giveaway of my drink shaker because uh, people, people. I have were, one too. Do you want to get? Are you going to give it away? Sure. Okay. Well, now we have a thing. We have a double giveaway to do. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. People are going to be excited, Anthony. This is a big. This is a big giveaway. We got to put the, the the little card in with it too, though, so people oh, know how to make. I, the- I was going to frame that. I don't mean that. But you want to you want to give those away too? Okay. Yeah, so people know how to make the AV martini. Okay. Um. By the way, if you're a uh, uh, vodka company, if you're a distiller and you're watching this and you want to partner up with uh, Snow Goal, the Only Flyers podcast, maybe uh, at some point in the off season we'll be able to get together with AV. We'll uh, we'll do a video tutorial for how to make the uh, the dirty martini. Uh, let's see. Jack K says Haig was decent. Should stay in for Game Four. I think it's hard to argue against that. Uh, Spinning my wheels through life says that this proves that the round robin was fool's gold. I don't know if it means it's fool's gold. Again, I just think that I think that everybody pumped up the the tires a little bit too high, Mm -hmm. um, based off of three games that really didn't mean anything. So Dave over on Twitter asks, uh, "Are the Canadians just a, a a team that match up with us really really well?" They play a really good defensive system through the neutral zone. So it makes it hard to move the puck through through the neutral zone. So the Flyers are a good five-on-five team, and you know they're limiting Montreal probably even more than Montreal is limiting the Flyers. Mm-hmm. The difference has been the fact is that the power play hasn't really been able to cash in. I mean, imagine if the Flyers get one power play goal tonight. Just one Changes out of six. Question of the game, yeah. Changes everything. Yeah. Change, completely changes everything. Changes so, how you feel about the game too. Yeah, and you probably feel a lot different if it's two nothing or three nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, because Montreal now starts to press a little bit sooner, and the Flyers maybe get a goal and go up three nothing. Like it, it, it makes you feel like they dominated at that point. So, I mean, that's really the that's really what the difference is in, in tonight's game. To me, the power play didn't cash in and had twelve minutes of opportunities to do so. Which I think also kind of answers this question from Travis Bellinghoff over on Twitter. Uh, why aren't they running the power play like they did in February and March? I think they just wanted to see, uh, you know, they, they experiment with the power play. You think back to them experimenting, moving uh, Claude Giroux from one side to the other. I, I think a big part of that was just to try to get a, a better idea for when they got to this position in the postseason. You know, if if you needed to change things up on the fly, that it wasn't the first time you'd be experimenting with something, but They've got to go back and rework it because there's absolutely nothing about the power play working. I think you might see a little bit of that. I think you might see Drew on the other side a little bit kind of. One of the things that I liked with what they were doing at that time of year, and maybe goes back even a little bit further than that, is that they were giving you different looks with each power play that they had within the same game. Like they they would give you a look with Drew on the right. Then the next power play, he was back on the left you know, and, and moving stuff around. And so never really giving you the same look and forcing it really forced the opposing uh, opposition penalty kill to kind of respond in the moment, as opposed to just respond to what, you know, the norm, the norm would be. So I think that might be something that would be beneficial for them to, to go back to. Um, I, I have the, I guess I have NBC sports Philly on right now in the background uh, Bundy needs to change this hair because it looks like it looks like the haircut I had as a senior in high school. It's almost as if you like I, I it just doesn't fit. It, he needs to change that. Uh, 
Jordan Taflin says, will Scott Lawton be benched for those two horrendous turnovers? No. I don't think so, but he might move down a line. As a matter Maybe. of fact, they were so confident in Lawton with that one goal lead in the final minute, he was out there a ton uh, playing playing in his own zone to try and stop the uh, Canadians from tying the score. Bags 2020. Uh, uh, no, we're going to skip that one. Um, Trevor Harris asked about how Domi got away with the spear. TJ Yestrom says, uh, need to get the box to break down on the power play. Yeah. Dave, Dave Johnson says, no matter how bad the power play, uh, we can't afford to let Ghost back on the ice. Albert Henderson asks, uh, is there higher expectations because the Flyers are the best team in Philly? At least not this season, Dave. Um, I think there's higher expectations right now, Albert, because we created these expectations. Like, we created them. It's not just that they're the best team in in the city, but all of a sudden it was like, you know, we were screaming back in January, February, March, hey, pay attention to the Flyers. They're pretty good. Mm -hmm. This team's pretty decent, and nobody was paying attention. Nobody was paying attention. And really, even leading into the start of the restart here, it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, hockey's back. Okay, whatever. Then they beat Boston, and people were like, oh, look at that. And then they beat the Capitals, and it was like, oh, maybe we should watch this team. And then they beat Tampa, and it's like, we're the best team in hockey. And I think that's – it went from nobody was paying attention – Two men, we are the best team in hockey. Neither extreme was good. It needs to be more in the middle. And that's, you know, kind of what we have now. And so after expectations got ramped up, now all of a sudden you're not, they're not performing up to that expectation, which was a false expectation to begin with based off of you watching three meaningless games. Well, I think you also hear sports talk radio hosts now bringing it up. And it's not a throwaway. It's leading segments now. Because the Sixers have had their rash of injuries and the matchup that they've got with Boston, depending on who you listen to, can be advantageous or might be an absolute disaster. And the Phillies have been the Phillies. And so you look for a little bit of positivity and you you look at the pulse of the city and it's like, okay, just from a casual fan standpoint, I think a lot of people are now aware of the fact that the Flyers are a very good team, that they're the top seed in the Eastern conference playoffs and that, you know, that kind of exposure to a a group of people who might not have otherwise cared or or tuned in. That's part of why expectations change. By the way, I do have to applaud a few people who on uh, Philly sports talk radio have now made it a point to talk about the team. I will continue to encourage that if you are a sports radio host who doesn't know anything about hockey or hasn't kept up with the team, you do have like people in the city, not that many, but you do have some pe- people in the city who you can rely on to have on your show and go on and, you know, kind of educate you and your listenership. That is a thing. Um, I have seen some shows bringing certain people on that should not be speaking in any way, shape or form about anything that has to do with this team. I genuinely don't understand how they're getting brought on. And I don't think they would know a hockey puck if it hit them in the face. Anyway, we'll continue. <laughs> Although, meanwhile, you and I have both done radio hits, and that's fine. And it's been good. Uh, let's see. We've got... Doo, 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 doo. CJ Bond over on Twitter says, The Montreal defensive structure is what's causing this. They won't give up anything easy when ugly. 
Yeah, you got to give them credit. I think the Canadians are playing a good defensive system. And when you're an inferior team, I mean that in a nice way, but like when you're an inferior team, mucking it up is a much better strategy than trying to go toe-to-toe and getting into a shootout. It won't work. Uh, BJ Beretta says, hypothetically, if a 12th seed uh, won the cup, would it be a great story or an embarrassment to the NHL the same season as Zamboni Driver won a game in a playoff race? No, it wouldn't be an embarrassment. I mean, you know, there would be an asterisk next to it, for of course, but no, it wouldn't be an embarrassment. This is, this it would is- be, it w- I think it would be an embarrassment to the Flyers. Like, I think Flyers fans would look at this as an embarrassment, but I don't think the NHL would. No, it, 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 look, the Stanley Cup is the hardest cup, is the hardest championship to win. Okay. It takes longer than anything else. It's the toughest, toughest sport to win. You know, to consider what they, they got to put their bodies through to win 16 games and get, and get the cup. It's even tougher this year because of the five month layoff. Mm-hmm. And teams are starting off on a more level playing field. So I don't think it would be an embarrassment to the league at all. Jackson Teller says they win versus the Habs, then get smacked down by the Islanders next round. And I'm a Flyers fan. Sorry, not sorry. You should be sorry, Jackson. That's just defeatist mentality. Stop trying to stop trying to guard your heart. Okay. Open up your heart to this Flyers team and they will fill it with love and excitement. I think I do say, I will say this. If they do play the Islanders in the second round, it's a long series. That's a seven-game series. It could be seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. BJ Beretta says, I'm opting out of this live chat mid-show to spend more time with my family. Good night. That's a little ode to uh, Tuka Rask. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Anthony D'Angelo says, felt like they decided at the end of uh, the second that they were going to try to win 1-0. I thought they played a pretty responsible lockdown third period. Rich Warbaugh says, the Flyers didn't do enough uh, simple things with the puck. Simple score to goal, throw a puck at the net, block his view, jump on the rebound. Simple. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a simple, enough, it it's a simple approach. Um, it's, a, it's certainly a simple approach, but it, it, the struggle for the Flyers was actually getting into the Montreal zone. They they struggled to get shots after the first period. Second and third period, Flyers didn't get many shots on goal. Travis Ballingoff asks me if uh, Zach Wheeler is still better than Aaron Nola. Once again, I point out the fact that I merely thought out loud somewhat facetiously after his first start of the season. Could Zach Wheeler be the true ace of the staff? I will point back to, uh, to last season. It wasn't a, it wasn't as lopsided as, uh, as one would imagine. Anthony D'Angelo says, I think our lack of depth at center will ultimately be our undoing grant, not filling the hole. We picked him up to fill, Wish we could trade ghost and Patrick now for a three C. Well, the three C right now is Nate Thompson. There he is. Uh, Joe Stringer says, uh, when are we getting Doc? Well, it depends on when you think you're going to get him. And he could be around for the Stanley Cup final. All right. That's it. Uh, Travis Ballingoff says, uh, scores, says, uh, uh, Jesus, I love Simmer, but why do people want him back? He's he's washed and has been for years. Yeah, I think there was a comment earlier. Yeah. That somebody was saying, bring back Simmer. Uh, Rich Warbaugh is now questioning if the haircut that I referred to that Bundy has, uh, he said, is that when you were in Minuto, by the way, here's a Minuto fact for you. So I was, uh, watching supermarket sweep with my five-year-old today and it's on Netflix. And, um, Minuto was one of the, uh, the questions that came up on supermarket sweep and I got it right. And I was really proud of myself and my son, for some reason, booed this lady named Sherry because she was really bad at, at the, uh, at supermarket sweep and I felt a little bit bad, but then I figured, eh, 
shouldn't feel that bad. He's learning. Um, <laughs> Rich Horbaugh also with the uh, timestamp 1134 and not pissed at rest. This is good. This is <laughs> unlike uh, last game where, yeah. Uh, Sean says, I'd rather the guys on local radio not talk about the Flyers because they're clueless about them. Mertidis excluded, but they fired him. Yeah, well, he got brought back too. It's amazing what happens when the uh, program director uh, leaves or is not renewed or is let go. And then the guy that got fired comes back. It makes you wonder. Um, I will say you can't have it both ways, right? If you're a Flyers fan and you, you constantly complain that sports talk radio doesn't talk about the Flyers, but when they try to, you complain that they don't do a good enough job. It's a little bit difficult to, to keep making that case year after year. But again, that's why I say, if you're a sports talk radio host, and especially if you're not somebody, if you're somebody who does a like four hour shift every day, five days a week or whatever, that's not simple to fill that time. If you're somebody who does like two to four hours on a weekend, there is no excuse for you to not have at least one or two solid guests on for that time slot who can come on and actually pull back, you know, the curtain a little bit on this team and everything around it. There's no reason that you can't. There's no reason you shouldn't. And if you expose yourself as not understanding, that's why people get upset. It's a really simple principle. I actually, there was a, one of the radio hosts DM'd me the other day and we were going back and forth about this whole concept. And the person was like, essentially was like, listen, I would like to talk about this more, but I haven't been as up on the team as I should have been probably. Will people get on me for it? And I said, if you try to actually talk about it, and you have intelligent people on to talk about the sport, people are going to like, you're going to buy some equity with, with listeners. They're not going to forget because flyers fans are rabid and they're going to remember the people who like gave the team a chance and gave them respect and didn't, you know, just pass them off as being like some cute little toy in the, in the corner. Like at least one, uh, one radio host I can think of does, and then tries to act like he's always been a huge hockey fan. So, you know, who, uh, Mark Kennedy, says uh right there you're right i don't know what that was about but okay and uh rich Warboss says i better watch what i say about radio guys or mac now will get me again we made it we made up it was fine everything's great fantastic jackson teller says that the blue jackets will beat tampa boston beats carolina the islanders beat washington flyers beat columbus boston versus islanders flyers versus boston eastern conference finals man you've got some real faith in boston well, if Boston's going to end, well, I'll, I'll tell you, if it's Boston Islanders, I, I, I'm okay with that. I think Boston, I think Boston can win that series. Flyers are better against Boston, even without Tuca. I, um, I think Boston losing Tuca only hurts them in the conference finals, whether it's against Philly or Tampa. I, I think that's that's where they would, that's where Halak becomes a weakness for them. I like that you've changed your position now with the microphone. Just like lean I'm with the rock with I it kind just, of thing. I was leaning forward too much and it was bothering me. I'm was getting it? old. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I was getting I'm just getting old. So I'm just this is, yeah, this just, is, this is hard for you. I'm lounging now. I'm just Josh Bornstein Bornstein says I'm opting into this live chat to spend time away from my family. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Appreciate that. Um Let's see. And then he also says, in my defense, I put my wife to bed two hours ago, but my one-year-old daughter made it to the end of the second period. That's a good thing to do. You know? Solid work by the one-year-old. Solid work. Yes. I yeah. agree. 
I thought about letting my, at least my five-year-old step to watch it because he's gotten into hockey a lot more. And it's, it's, I think it's hard as a parent when the, the teams play seven o'clock games. This isn't me complaining about like sports in general, but like if you have little kids, like my kids are down by seven. So there's, there isn't really any bonding over sports at least at this point. And because hockey's been on all day and basketball, we've spent more time watching sports together. And even my three-year-old who can't be entertained by anything has been absolutely enthralled with playoff hockey, which is good. You know, I I wonder if this is a um, generational thing, because I know so many guys or women that are more, you know, closer to your age Mm -hmm. with young children Mm -hmm. who put their kids to bed at seven o'clock. You you guys, you all do it. And it's, very consistent. It's a, it's a thing. Yeah. I ne- My kids were never asleep by seven. I was lucky if my kids were asleep by ten at that at the age that your kids are. Yeah. And even even there were even times when you know my older son would want to watch the Phillies on the West Coast, and I'd be like, "Yeah, all right, stay up." Like, <laughs> what's I going to do? Like, I mean, I would want to do. I remember when I was a kid, I used to sneak the little transistor radio <laughs> under under my pillow to listen to it or when I got a little bit older I had a black and white TV in my room that's what I was like yes we had color TVs in the house but in my room I had a black and a little black and white so what I would do is I would put it on uh, with a with a um, blanket kind of over it yeah so that I would kind of hide the light and oh, that's of, you put that at the door the door to, to block the light from shining out into the hallway yeah that's that's what a, i did back in the watching wcw days i thought it, we talked about this before. yeah it's all right and then i would and then i would uh listen to the um walkman i would listen to the radio broadcast mm-hmm. so i could stay up interesting yeah interesting uh, the seven o'clock thing is because you're supposed to try to get your kids as close to 12 hours of sleep up to a certain age and like i I have to be like during, you know, during well, typical times, I have to be up like my wife and I are up at five thirty in the morning. Yeah, and I've got to be at work by seven or so. Was that in, was that in one of those parenting books that I never read? No, I don't. I don't um, often choose to read those. Um, <laughs> how are we supposed to teach children to read if they can't even fit inside the building? All right, let's see. Trevor Harris says, "What's the value for trading Ghost Bear?" Ah, hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll let's get, let's wait till the off season until we have yeah. an idea of what teams are doing. It's going to be interesting, especially with you know. Let's see what the cap is going to look like, especially since teams lost you know revenue on uh, the, the end of the regular season and and playoffs. They lost the gate, mm-hmm. so I think that the cap number is going to be about the same, if not a little bit lower. And will te- you know will teams now have to trade? players and how will that all work i think it's going to be a, an interesting an interesting dynamic from the end of october till the end of you know early december it's going to be really interesting to see what this what this league looks like for the that 90 days in there or 80 days whatever it's going to be uh mark kennedy says you nailed it wip needs to needs more hockey talk but refuses to do it i thank you guys as a novice fan myself i would say like here's the thing i fault the flagship station more uh like i I understand conceptually why WIP would want to talk more Phillies because they own the rights, why they'd want to talk more Eagles because they're the top team uh, fan base wise in the city and they own the rights. The flagship station 97.5 owns the rights to Flyers games. And yet the majority of hosts did not talk about this team throughout the regular season, did not talk about the team down the stretch. They 
did not really entertain any conversation about them even early on in the bubble. There were one or two hosts who were the exception to that rule. Um, and then you have a fraud who says that, you know, he would love to talk about hockey. He doesn't watch the games. He doesn't. He makes a lot of money to sit and to go through the motions. And that's it. Uh, but there are a few people over at 97.5 who I think do a, a solid enough job and are trying. And I think that there are people at WIP who have like started to talk more about hockey. And some of them have had good people on to, you know, talk hockey. So that's fine. You know, I think everybody's just kind of learning together. Um, let's see. Rich Horvath says predictions. When does Oscar Lindblom play? If you didn't catch the pregame show, he was uh, at practice led stretches on ice today. There was that video of Konechny smashing the ice with his stick, still trying to break the one that he couldn't break in game two. Um, and his uh, uh, Lindblom stall, uh, his locker stall had his jersey and everything hanging. So, you know, that got people thinking that there was a possibility he was going to play tonight, which was insane. But when do you think we've already touched on this, but when do you think? Well, I, I, I think my, my position may have changed slightly. Uh, huh? Since pregame? Well, no, we didn't talk about this pregame. Yeah, we did. No, nah, we didn't. Yes, we did. We didn't talk about when we thought he would be back. Mm, pretty sure we did. Mm, no, uh, because I would have said this. Um, after hearing his interview and hearing him say he didn't really skate in Sweden, he hasn't really had an opportunity to get much ice time. I, I can't see how he plays at all. I think that he's going to practice with the team. He's going to be around the team. He's going to be a motivating factor. But I don't see how you go from not skating, really skating, not training, really training for the past eight months mm -hmm. and suddenly get yourself into a position to play for your team in the midst of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like I, I, he would really need to, to push it and ramp it up to be ready by the conference finals or the Stanley cup final. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I hope it'd be well, unbelievable. Not, if he does. Be, I'm not trying to be the condescending polyglot here, but this is why you not understanding the last question and answer in Swedish comes back to bite you because you're very wrong. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I only picked out a few words. Um, <laughs> the thing, the thing I think is interesting here is I, I do think that there's slight nuance lost in his response because he's very short with his answers in English because it's not his native tongue. Um, he was more of a pump the brakes than Chuck Fletcher had been. And, and even to some extent, AV had been, I do think that he spent more time on ice than he let on. But I think he was speaking more about during the pandemic. He didn't have as much time on ice. He was over he was over skating with his former SHL team, but the extent to which he practiced with that team in terms of was he just on ice doing laps and doing very light conditioning, or was he participating in something else? Was he, you know, participating in a, a longer practice? Was he working on conditioning that way? Those are things we don't know. The the whole concept here all along has been. If by some unbelievable set of circumstances he's able to play, it's not going to be until 
at the earliest the conference finals. If they make the Stanley Cup finals, swell. But then at that point, you almost kind of wonder, like, holy smokes, if he's able to get himself conditioned for that and your team has gotten to the Stanley Cup final, are you really going to to switch any lines up? I mean, obviously, he would provide an upgrade if you were taking Oscar Lindblom, who led the team in goals at the time, points at the time of his diagnosis, um, and, and popped him on, say, the fourth line for him to get eight or nine minutes a, a game not only for the production that he could theoretically provide, but also for the boost in morale and, and just overall hunger to, to go out and win more than what they'd already have to win the Stanley cup. Okay. But like, I think people also kind of need to be a little bit realistic that like the guys fought through a lot and there's a lot of muscle mass that you could have potentially lost through a long battle against cancer and chemotherapy. And there is so much on that end that you have to gain back before you put yourself at risk of, of taking a massive hit or something like that. Players are always going to go out and, and they're going to put themselves in compromising positions because of the, the internal intrinsic motivation and, and because they want to go out and they want to compete. But you also have to be smart about this. And that's also where the team doctors and his own physicians and everybody, they, they all have to kind of step in as well and make sure that, you know, he's making a, a smart choice for, for his life, not just for hockey. Uh, Josh Bornstein says, I don't have work until 11 a.m. And I'm self, so I'm selfish. And it's uh, it's a win-win to keep my daughter up because A, we can hang out and, bo- and bond and B and C and D, she sleeps in. See, that's a thing that not most parents get to uh, experience. Usually the sleeping in thing doesn't happen. Uh, Trevor Harris says 7 p.m. Come on, Russ, give them 9.30 so they can watch the first period. Uh, then we it looks like we've got a whole bunch of back and forth. And um, Trevor says that I would put the... Uh, he's saying that I would be the one to put the blanket over the TV when it's WCW 2000. It wasn't a good year for WCW. All right. Um, there's a bunch more here, but I'm thinking that uh, it might be about time to wrap. Anthony D'Angelo, though, does bring up one thing that I think is worth mentioning here if i'm an owner interviewing hexy for a gm job i ask him a ton of questions about the patrick pick i think hexy has a shot a real shot to be the next gm of florida okay just he he deserves another shot he does not deserve to be blacklisted he deserves another shot and i think he'll learn from some of the things that went poorly in philadelphia uh here's a question does chris Pryor go with him no wow really yeah i don't think so interesting i mean those two drafting together it was a recipe for success that's yeah but prior prior was tied into was a homer guy okay just just happened to be a carryover for hexy but okay Interesting. Mark Kennedy says that he lives 3000 miles away and he won't listen to another station. Okay. Um, all right. Hey Russ, I think we have new five-star reviews. No way. Stop. Oh, by the way, we've got a ton of people saying that we shouldn't care about sports talk radio because that's why people listen to us, which is really sweet. Thanks guys. Appreciate that. Are we really, we're really going to read some five-star reviews, huh? I think are, you we have sure two. We, are you sure they're new? Uh, I'm not sure if the Lee C one is, but there is another new one came came in Thursday. Okay, here we go. It's time for the five-star review. Don't forget. Wow. We're up to 101, uh, 
ratings on uh, on Apple Podcasts. I like it. I'll take it. All right, let's see. We've got some Lee C ones. This one, I don't know if we got to this one. Are you looking at the Sea Flyers fan one or Sea Flyers fan L? Yeah, you got that one last game. Did I? Yep. Are you sure? 100%. Okay. So we'll go to the next one. Uh, just the best show out there. Five stars from Martin Music. Russ is the heart and Anthony is the soul of Flyers hockey coverage. You can't find a better conversation about the Flyers anywhere. Listen to these guys. Love these guys. I sure do. Thanks, Martin. Gosh, that's, that's swell. And it's late. So now we're all going to go to, to bed with a lovely smile on our faces. That's That was really nice, Martin. Thank you. You're the heart and I'm the soul, huh? How about it? <laughs> you got soul, but you're not a soldier. Uh, and now the Lee C five-star review. Lee, Lee did two. We're going to read the most recent one. Uh, Philadelphia Montreal podcast. This was another great podcast and entertaining between Colby Russ and Ant conversing about the upcoming Montreal series. The analysis on the series and the strengths of the Flyers was spot on. JVR at some point needs to show something to keep his place in the lineup. I would keep the current six defensemen and not dress ghosts unless AV deems uh, his need to insert him into the game lineup. Montreal does scare me because of price, but the Flyers have more talent and depth. I think AV will make the correct decision on who will be in the lineup of either Connor or Joel being dressed if the flyers lose in the first round av will need to be fired he has a short leash in this round because of the expectation of this team great job guys continued success with your podcast i love lee lee leaves great five-star reviews for us lee av does not get fired if they if they <laughs> no. lose this series no no way no chance all right i think it's time i think it's time to call it a night and if you're listening to this on the podcast feed we hope you enjoyed it and um it's time for us to go. So uh, don't forget, subscribe to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, uh, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever else you get your podcasts. You can follow us over on the Twitter. You can follow us there. Uh, let's see. Follow us on Twitter at Snow the Goalie, at Ant San Philly, at Joy on Broad. You can also find us on Instagram at Snow the Goalie, at Ant San Philly, at Joy on Broad. And of course, over on Facebook, facebook.com slash snow the goalie. Keep the conversation going with us. And Anthony and I, I guess, are going to, uh, well, we'll put it out on, on Twitter here soon that we're going to do another giveaway. We'll be giving away our uh, our drink shakers. Yes. Our beautiful metal. Uh, Flyers drink you know, shakers. Flyers drink shakers, which uh, I'm sure, you know, we'll even send the AV teeny card over there. So make sure you follow us over on Twitter in order to get yourself entered to win. So uh, anyway, we'll be back on what, Tuesday? Tuesday for game four. Tuesday and then Wednesday's game five. Back to back days. We're better, here for it. Better get some rest. We're here for <laughs> it. So we'll be doing the press row show for pregame, first and second intermission, and post game. Although I think you and I are going to have to figure that out again because that's an afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. So worst comes to worst on Tuesday, we'll do a post game show. Right. And then definitely Wednesday. Wednesday, I think, is supposed to be a night game. Mm -hmm. I don't. Did they announce the time yet? I don't think they, they did. They didn't, but it will be. I, it will be a night game. It should be a night game, in which case we'll do pregame, first and second intermission, and postgame as well. Yep. So uh, make sure you uh, you know check it out live and all that. So for Anthony at Ansan Philly, I'm Russ at Joanne Broad. Thanks for listening to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, Players Podcast, Presidential Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, Peter Light Podcast, Popper, Pampers Podcast, Pronger Cast, Canoeble Cast, Patrick Sharp Cast. The only Flyers podcast.